This is the Reluctant Leader Podcast, created because, through no fault of your own, you've become one. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and I know how it feels when you're getting ground down by people issues, constantly firefighting and wondering how on earth you ended up here. In each episode, I invite a guest to discuss a topic and give you three, sometimes more, top tips that will help you in your leadership role. They are experts in the field and you'll find out why they do what they do and what took them down that path. For more resources to help you on your leadership journey, check out thereluctantleader.academy where you'll find details of how to join the Reluctant Leader success path. So let's see who's in the hot seat this week. Today I'm talking to Rachel Chiverton. Rachel lives in Macclesfield, Cheshire with her husband and dog Missy. She left school with no A-levels, had no idea what to do. She loved maths so tried accountancy. This didn't work out, so she went out cold calling, selling advertising in building control handbooks. Loved the calling, hated the selling. Found out about credit control, calling people, problem solving and maths. Brilliant. Rachel went on to become a corporate credit control trainer, training herself into redundancy four times. After the fourth time, Rachel decided her motivation was helping small businesses get better, not big businesses to get richer. So in 2013, she founded her company, helping business owners to get control of their time through reviewing their processes, software, and systems. Hope you enjoy this chat we had about getting stuff done, and I'll catch you all on the other side. Rachel, welcome to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Thank you very much. Um, we are going to be talking about getting things done, which um, I think with most business owners um, is going to resonate because um, there's certain times when we just probably should be doing things that we're not doing things. Uh, but before before we get stuck into that, uh, I always ask all my guests the same question, and that is, why do you do what you do? And what was the pivotal moment that took you down this path? The reason I do what I do is I'm passionate about creating time to spend with my husband and my dog and I um when I was looking at what I was doing I was spending after setting up my business so much time doing things twice that I didn't need to do twice and so I decided that I would help other people not to do things twice and that meant that I could free up my time to take my dog for long walks and my pivotal moment for this was actually at a for networking meeting when a member came to me and said, Rachel, you're organized, you're process driven, you're focused. All your meetings are always finished bang on time. So you obviously have time management. I'm rubbish at this. Can, can you hold me accountable and can you make me manage my time? And that was, that was how the uh, Focus Guru came about. Wow. So that wasn't something that you hadn't really got planned. It's something that was obviously just obviously reflected back on you and somebody came up with and obviously something maybe you hadn't thought about before that moment, moment maybe? Yeah. I mean, before that, I was um, the contracts lady and I do still write contracts hmm. um, and uh, terms and conditions and things like that. But what the focus gurus enabled me to do is not to always do one-off projects. Because obviously with contracts, if I write a contract for you, until you launch a new product or service, you don't need me again. Mm-hmm. So with the Focus Guru, and it's using a set of skills, and I actually more enjoy the Focus Guru stuff now. 
it's helping me to get people to engage, to manage their time. Mm. And the wonderful thing for me is when my clients actually after normally somewhere between four and nine months, they've got the processes in place, they've got the systems in place. And they, through the accountability, are actually using them and understand how to use them properly. Mm. And at that point, that's the point when they say, I don't think I need you anymore. And that, for me, is the best way someone can tell me when they've worked with me. Because yeah, if you've absolutely. got into that place where you're so organized and you've got so much of your time back, you've got your evenings back, you've got your weekends back, um, then that's where you should be. And that's what running your own business is all about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, from my experience, the people go into to business to probably because they've got a passion for something. Um, but when it gets down to the nitty gritty and the, you know, just getting things done, there's something that gets in the way, isn't there? And is there something that's reoccurring with your clients that you see time and time again that um, uh, you, you tend to be, you know, in most cases that uh, this this sort of thing happens or it, it is, is prevalent? Um. The most reoccurring theme I see in my clients is they don't know what they don't know. And they don't know what software is out there to help them. They don't know how they can, what there is that will be able to help them get back this time. Um, I had a lovely testimonial um, where someone said, Rachel helped me when I started my freelance consultancy business. She listened carefully to my needs, understood how I worked, identified the software which I needed to keep me working efficiently, effectively, and got me set up and trained on systems that I would never wise have heard of, invaluable. So <clears throat> the reoccurring thing for me is you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And you, you, until you analyze it, you don't know where you're wasting your time. One of the biggest things I work with with my clients is I take them on a journey to go to the supermarket if they don't do online shopping. Taking you on a journey. So a standard journey, one of my clients, he's got a six-month-old child. He's daddy daycare three days a week. And on those three days, that's when they do their shopping. So I said to him, right, take me on your journey. He said, well, I have to get the baby ready into shoes and coats and then take the baby out, put the baby in the car, then I go back and get the shopping bags. And then I might, before that, I've done a little list, but I don't really do a list. Then I've got to drive to the shop and I've got to find a car parking space. Then I've got to go and get a trolley. Once I've got the trolley, I've got to unpack the baby from the car, make sure the baby's safely in, in the trolley. Then I've got to go up and down every aisle to find the things I need on the list or um, things that take my fancy. Then I've got to go to the checkout, got to take everything out of the trolley, got to wait for it to be scanned through, got to put everything in a bag, got to take the trolley back to the car, unpack the bags, unpack the baby, take the trolley back to the trolley park, get in the car, get out the car park, drive home, find a car parking space, unpack the baby, unpack the bags, take everything out of the bags, put them back in the cupboards. I said, and how long is this taking you about three times a week to do three shops? And he said, well, probably three quarters an hour to an hour and a half each time. Right. And you charge for your time. So if you could get someone to bring the shopping to you, and a lot of them now do it without bags, so they're just coming crates, they take the crate all the way to the kitchen, 
So all you do is you take the stuff out of the crate, put it on the side, and then put it away in the cupboard. How much time would that save you each week? And he was like, that's amazing. Because <laughs> he hadn't thought about that way of saving time. So yeah. I'd encourage your listeners to think about things like their shopping journey. Yeah. Well, the thing that spr- sprung to mind when you just said that is, is, is it's habits, isn't it? It's about what we, we um, habitually do and we just get into a routine of doing. So I, I guess a lot of it is just getting out of bad habits. It is. A lot of it is getting out. And I wouldn't necessarily call them bad habits, but it's about changing mindset. So one thing that I, myself and my husband do is we, um, we now do all of our vegetable prep on a Sunday together and we store it in airtight containers in lemon juice in the fridge until we need it. Now, what that's done is, one, it's given me time back with my husband. It gets him helping out with the food prep and it saves me on a weekday a good half an hour or three quarters an hour of prepping veggies every day. So that's half an hour, three quarters an hour. I've got time that I can spend doing what I want to do. So it's not just about business, although, yes, I do help people with business. It's about reviewing everything you do and why you do it that way. Yeah, and when you say mindset, is it really about actually just stepping back sometimes? So, right, is this actually, is this a good use of my time? Am I doing it efficiently? And I, I guess that's what you're doing. You're focusing, when you say focus guru, you're focusing on the detail that actually they're probably not able to see because they're so close to it. A lot of people, as I say, people focus on what they class as their work hours and how it can make work hours more efficient. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's good to do that. It's good to focus on that. But where else can you save and make time more efficient? What else can you do? to make your life happier, to make you feel happier, to get yourself to that place that you want to be. Yes, there's systems out there. You can automate things and the business side of things. You can pay for software to do that. But as well, part of the experience is we identify the software you need. But as Mr. Testimonial says, it's then training you on it. Because how many of your listeners are paying for software that they're not using for their full potential? Because they don't know what the potential is. Absolutely, and and I'm as guilty as anybody else. Um, I, I was, <laughs> I, I think I pay, um, I think about twelve, thirteen pounds a month to use Office products, and you know I'm probably not getting anywhere near the value from what's available to me, because you know I don't know. We just don't, we just don't investigate, do we? But I suppose if we get, if we just took the time just to think. Well, what actually can this offer me um just investing a little bit of time up front would possibly save an, an awful lot of time in the long run and also it can yeah. save you from double spending i mean office is a prime example i don't know which office you've got but if you go for the full office 365 package within there is a task list within there is a crm within there is so many tools and everyone goes, oh, I'm on 365, what do you use? I use Outlook, I use Excel, I use PowerPoint, I mm. use Word. Right, what do you use for CRM? Oh, I pay for Capsule, right? Have you looked at the Office CRM? No, they don't have one. 
go away. Look at what you're actually buying. Yeah. Where else could you, what, what are you paying double for? Now, it could be that you don't like, say, the office CRM mm. and it doesn't fit with you, and that's fine. But you don't know that until you've looked into it. If you've looked in, and if you haven't looked into it, you haven't tried it, how do you know you don't need to double pay for capsule? Uh, it's interesting because one of the things I, I looked at and found, uh, uh, which is a, what, uh, one of the passions of yours, which you, you, you do in your spare time, is actually you're interested in the F1. Uh, which is, is um, I, I suppose this sort of links in quite well with this because F1 is very much about detail. It's about um, checking and making sure that everything's right and, and, and small little tweaks that makes a massive difference on the whole length of the, um, the Grand Prix and all those sort of things. So uh, do you see that analogy with that being so close to what you like doing in your spare time with what you do in, in, in your work? Yeah, it's it's highly amusing when the Formula One is on in our house because that dictates those weekends. Right. Um, and we plan our weekends around the TV coverage of the F1. But when you're watching the race, we actually sit there, um, myself and my husband, and I will be analysing what they're doing in a pit stop, what strategy calls they're making. And we also have the live timing screens up. So we shout at the TV directors for showing us the wrong cars on the TV because <laughs> we can see the gaps in between the other things. And having that level of attention to detail, F1, like you say, millimetres can be seconds. Yeah. And yet in our business, how many millimetres in our lives, how many millimetres do we keep wasting? How much are we setting ourselves back from the person that we want to be? What difference... What if we change just one, relating it back to F1, if we change, like uh, Red Bull did very recently, they went to a matte paint from a shiny paint. Now, Red Bull reckoned that saved them uh, 0.3 seconds a lap. Wow, really? Yeah. You'd think shiny paint would be faster, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> this, unless you try it, you don't yeah. know. Now, whether it did actually, I don't think it actually saved them that much. I think that was media bragging. Um, but yeah, you know, what little thing haven't you thought about changing that could make a huge difference overall? And yeah. I know it's very, very hard when it's just you to look at your life so in so much detail. But there's so many things that you can alter and amend. And a lot of it is habits and it is mindset. And they say it takes 21 days to change your habit. I think it takes longer than that because it only takes 21 days to change your habit, providing you change that habit every single day for 21 days. If you're right. going to change a habit like going shopping, you're not going to the supermarket every single day. Right. So something you don't do every day will take a lot longer to change. But again, it's about your mindset, about you look at it. One of the things, one of the jobs I absolutely detest doing is hanging up the washing. Because, again, you think you've loaded it in a washing machine, you take it out the washing machine into a basket, take it from the basket onto an area, take it off the area, you fold it up, put it in the basket, and then you have to take the basket back upstairs. That's such a waste of my time. So what I do now is... When I'm hanging the washing up, I'll listen to a podcast. I'll listen to an audio book. This morning, I had 
uh, one of my networking members ring me up and ask me for some recommendations for marketers. So I took that phone call, put it on speaker and hung my washing up whilst I was talking to her. <laughs> that way, in fact, and it was great because I needed to come and look someone's phone number up because I couldn't find it. And I just turned around to her and said, oh, hang on, let me just finish hanging this T-shirt up. And she just turned around and said, I love it. You're always using your time twice. <laughs> you know, now I could have sat down at the computer and just had that phone call with her and gone back to doing the washing. But at the beginning, there was no need for me to be near a computer. So what else could you be doing whilst you're on a phone call? Hmm. I, I, I thought this was going to be a business conversation, Rachel, but we're talking about all this domestic stuff. It's really good. I mean, it's, I mean, it's brilliant. And it's all about saving time. And obviously saving time is, is um, doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in your business. But, you know, there's simple things that you're, you're saying which are just a genius, to be honest. I mean, tw- using your time twice when you're hanging out the washing, fantastic. So, um, I mean, I can if you want to talk about business software well, and how stuff I can save you time. But well, I think we should probably get to that at some point. But obviously, you know, it's all relevant, and it's you know, it's it's, it's great to see how you're just being so creative with. I, I, I presume you see it like this as being so creative. Um, that's how I see it. It's been creative with you know just mundane things and how you can make them work better for you, uh, especially when you're doing something you don't really like doing. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting because a few other people have called me creative, but I never see myself as creative because I think for me, the definition of creative is pictures and drawings and pretty stickers. And I'm very much not that. I'm very much process manuals, attention to detail, writing down every little stage to see what stage you can remove. Mm. Um, And I don't see myself as creative at all because for me as I say creative is pretty pictures and being able to draw and believe me I really can't draw the hardest thing I have about a blog is finding a picture to go with it yeah the writing of the blog is easy for me because that's the detail yeah yeah but it's interesting because um I as most people that listen to this podcast regularly know you use the motivational maps tool and one of those um, motivations are is the creator and and it's quite often people get confused about what create, um, creativity is um, yes it can be artistic and all those sort of things but also it's about problem solving and in it's which about case, being yes, creative I... in that way and I think that's what you're doing is you're you're a great problem solver and obviously enjoy doing that and you're being creative in your thinking rather than being creative than than rather than creating something that's like artistic, it's actually being creative in your thinking as opposed to being, you know, with your hands. So. Yes, and oh. with, with that kind of hat on, then yes, mm. I'm definitely a, a creator. Mm. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's so valuable in a business space is to have people that are, you know, have that sort of um, um, something that switches in, in them that wants to solve the problem and to, well, how can we do this better? You know, that is not something that everybody naturally has. Um, and um, obviously, it's it's a really valuable thing to to have too. Within um, well, as we've already heard, at home or at a bit in business, you can you can use these these skills in in both environments. So, I just wanted to mention something that actually I only came across yesterday, actually, and it's like a five part men, um, method or or a model 
which um, is quite, we're talking about business here. And when we talk about when we're doing, want to do something, there is like this five stages we go through. So first of all, we have to have a vision. We have to th- think, well, what is it that we want to do and what does it look like and what, how's, where's it going to take us? Once we've got that clear, then we've got to go to the planning stage, which is about, you know, thinking about what steps need to be put in place to get there. Then we get to the facilitation, which where we think what resources we need, whether that's, you know, people, uh, systems and all that sort of stuff. And then the next stage, and I think this is the most relevant thing, and this is where I quite often get stuck, is the doing bit. Now, I'm, I'm quite good at thinking about what I want to do, visioning it and planning it and facilitating the things I need, like the software or whatever it is. But it's the doing bit that I um, that is my Achilles heel. And I'm, and I'm guessing, uh, I'm guessing that is quite common. Is that something that you, you, you or, or would you say something different? No, that's that's definitely very common. Yeah. Um, you've just got me thinking. I did a blog back in June, and the title of that is "Perfection has to do with the end products, but excellence has to do with the process." Right. Yeah. And the process starts with the doing, mm. because until you do something you can't review it and until you can review it you can't perfect it and until you perfect it you can't make you can't make the right decisions and the graphic i got for that is very similar to your stages here yeah and that is a graphic of idea to do doing done and most people get stuck at the doing and quite often don't get it done mm. And it's because we get overload and we do get masses of <coughs> overload. We get loads of ideas and all oh, squirrel here and squirrel there and this and that. And, and you've got clients coming at you and you've got, you've got your, your admin to do and you've got your marketing to do and you've got your suppliers to find and you've got all of this and it's just all overloaded in your brains. So one thing that I work with a lot of my clients to do and I actually have sat in front of me now in my office, is I have one whiteboard with four sections. The top right is high intensity, high time. Top left is high intensity, low time. Bottom right is low intensity, high time. And bottom left is low intensity, low time. And I use the word intensity for a reason. Because intensity can be anything. Intensity could be Money, it could be motivation, it could be what will move your business forward, it could be what's holding you back, it could be what's draining you. So I use the word intensity because that's about how it makes you feel, how it drains, how it drains your energy, how it impacts your business. You put into intensity whatever you want interpretation-wise. And then every morning I do a brain dump. I do a brain dump onto post-it notes and I put those post-it notes in one of those four sections. And my aim every week is to do at least two high-intensity high times and at least three low-intensity low times. And I probably get three to five high-intensity low times done in a week. And I leave the post-it notes on there and I tick them off. and. The things that you find that you tick off, you you tick them off and then you go, I actually haven't realised I've done that much. 
So when you think you've achieved nothing, you've actually achieved masses. And then on a Sunday or a Monday, I take off my TikTok post-it notes. I put more post-it notes up there and I move some around because as you tick off your high-intensity high times, other jobs will then become high-intensity high times or jobs that were high-intensity high time because of the jobs that you've now got might now be high-intensity low time, for example. And things move within your priority list. And to get things done, you need to understand that things shift and things change. But just have your goal of doing at least one from each section a week. If mm-hmm. Start there and then build it up to two, three, and four as you get to acknowledge and understand quite how things happen. So when, when you say low and high time, does that mean the amount of time you're going to spend? So a low amount of time or a high, or a high amount of time? So Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the way I work it. Yeah, but- yeah. It sounds a great system. I'm sure many people listen to that were thinking, yes, that's what I need to do. But we, whether we actually do it again, uh, actually do it, that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. Well, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you want to do it, get hold of me on social media. Yeah. Say, you know, you've heard it on here and you're going to do it. And then a week later, whichever whichever way you contacted me, I'll come back to you on social media and say, have you done it? And there's a great example of accountability, which is one of the things that you mentioned earlier, accountability. So that's what, and, that, and that's what a lot of us need, isn't it? It absolutely is. And also, as soon as you put it out there, you're more likely to do it because you're making yourself accountable. Even just by writing something down, you're making yourself accountable more than it just being in your head. But as soon as you put it out there for someone else to see, whether it's in a one-to-one email or whether it's on social media, Facebook, Twitter, wherever, as soon as you've done that post, you're going, I've told people I'm going to do this. I really ought to do this. I better get this done now, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. And so, so your brain is then going, do this job, do this job, do this, do this. And whilst your brain is telling you to do it, you then turn around and go, I've done that. And whenever you say I've done that, I've not yet met a client or a person who can say I've done that and not smile. (laughs) And we all know that smiling makes us feel good. So the more you do, the more you smile, the better you feel. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I just need to go back to that model I was describing when I got to the doing bit, because that was some of the most observant um, listeners would have probably thought that's only four parts. The last part, which I didn't mention, which is so often um, and most important because you sort of is uh, mentioned it is, is the checking bit. So once you've done something, you can then check it and then you start the process again by then obviously, you know, looking at whether it needs improving, um, amending, or just basically binning and you know, starting again. So the checking bit at the end is, is really important, isn't it? Yeah, and again, the checking bit is very much part of accountability as well. Mm. Because I would say get yourself an accountability partner, but do not make it your best friend. Because if you turn around to your best friend and say, will you do me, my accountability partner, on a Monday, I'll tell you the three key things I'm going to do this week. And on a Friday, give me a call, make sure I've done them. If you use your best friend, your best friend will turn around on Friday and go, did you do them? You'll be like, well, no, because 
I had this possible prospect that I needed to send a quote out to and and I had this great marketing idea so I did that instead and that's going to generate so much money and <laughs> this that and the other and your best friend's going to turn around and go well look you've been really productive so it doesn't matter you didn't do those things whereas if you make it another business person they will go yeah but you said you were doing these for this reason why what got in the way to stop you why were they more important than what you said were important on monday and were they actually more important or have you just been faffing yeah and, and obviously we're talking about excuses here aren't we i'm sure i'm, I'm sure in what you're doing or what you do on a day-to-day basis you've had some classic um excuses that have um and, and i'm sure there's ones that keep coming back and back time and time again but what, what's the one that stands out as mostly um, maybe the unique one that you've had that you've had to uh, actually call out as being maybe a bit of BS? Um, ooh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, there are an awful lot of excuses. And I think rather than saying one mm. that that's, that I've had from clients, I think I would just say, mind your mindset. Because mm. so many people will turn around and say, oh, I couldn't, or I didn't, or this just happened. And it's like, yeah, but if you actually think about what you're saying, I couldn't, is a negative. So if anyone says I couldn't, or I haven't, Anytime we, we use the word not, our brain focuses on that. And so if you say, oh, I've, I've, I've not managed to get this um, marketing analysis done this week because my uh, computer went down, like, fine. Can you not get your analysis on your mobile phone? Well, yeah. But don't think about that. Well, why didn't you message me at the time and say, I've got this issue. What can I do differently? And this is where excuses need accountability partners. Because the minute you find yourself doing something negative in your head that's going to prevent you from doing something, you need to get hold of that person. Um, I've I've had a nightmare with my computers recently, as you're aware, um, I ended up on one week having to wait in for like four different deliveries of which one was a new laptop. And then I had to wait until um, my IT guy came to swap the hard drive out my old laptop into my new laptop before I could access things. But I could still do my email because that was on my phone. I could still do my social media because that was on my phone. I could still do my accounts because they were on my phone. I could still do my planning because that's on my, that's on my phone. So in this day and age, does not having a working computer actually stop you from doing anything? That's a question I'll point out there to your listeners. Well, most of us carry around a computer in our pocket, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> but again, how many of, how going back to what I said about understanding what you're paying for yeah. and learning to use the systems and the technology... How many of us actually use everything our phone offers us? Mm. How many of us actually even know the systems and the apps we've got on our phone and how powerful they are? 
Yeah, apparently a phone comes with an app which you can actually ring people and speak to them. I know. That's what I heard recently. Is that something that you've come across? <laughs> <laughs> that's, something, that's, that's actually something I use all the time. And in fact, that's another big one that people procrastinate against. It's making phone calls. And I always say to them, why? And they say, well, it might be an inconvenient time. I said, okay. So if someone rings you and it's an inconvenient time, what do you do? I don't answer it. Right? And then what do you do? Well, I leave a message and let them ring me back. So what makes you think anyone else would do anything different? Simple. Yeah, but people don't, people just think, oh, I can't because they, they, might, not, they might not want my call. And even if they answer, they're kind of regardless of why you're ringing, the first thing I say when I ring someone is, is now a good time for a quick chat? They're either going to say yes or no. If they say yes, fine, we have a chat. If they say no, it's like, okay, can I ring you back? What time's good for you? And then, again, you, you've, you've taken that action. You're checking with them when it's good for them, and you're doing it because you've made a time to ring them back. So you've, you've done, you plan, you facilitate, you're doing, and you're checking all in one step. And that's just by one phone call that lasted probably two minutes. Again, simple idea was actually could completely change the way you do things. Um, sadly, Rachel, we're, we're running out of time. And as you know, I, I did prompt you at the, at, uh, before we started recording about some top tips that I ask our listeners to leave us with. So um, what would those three top tips be that we can sort of sum up what we can talk, we've been talking about? I think my very first one is understand your software understand what you're paying for so my top first top tip is go away look at what software you've got go to like the help menu and type in functions see what functions you're paying for that you didn't know existed and investigate them and learn how much whether one they could save you from paying out for a second system or two could it save you time or three, could it just stop you from stressing? So that's yeah. software. Go out and investigate that. Yep. Top tip number two, use your time twice. Do have a look and a think, both in business and in personal. Where are you wasting time? You know, if you've got past clients that you've not caught up with for a while, next time you're in the car, providing you've got a um, hands-free or Bluetooth connection, ask the car to ring them. What well, if I said, if it's not a good time, they'll tell you. You know, use your time twice. There are so many things we do every day in both life and business where we waste time. So look at what you're doing and find out how you can use your time twice. Yeah. And my third one is definitely get an accountability buddy who isn't your best mate or your sister. As I've said, accountability buddy, you're telling them what you're going to do, which means that you're going to do it. Great stuff. Um, Rachel, thank you for a jam-packed, high-value um, half an hour. And if anybody has listened to this for half, uh, if this 30, 30 minutes and not taken out uh, and taken away something that's going to save them time, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what they've been listening to because it's, it's great. Fantastic. So um, thank you for your time, Rachel. 
I will hopefully catch up with you very soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much for the opportunity as well, Mark. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out the Reluctant Leader Academy. And if you get a chance, please leave a review on whichever platform you have been listening. And also share the love by sharing the episode with someone who would benefit. Leadership is a choice. If you have the right mindset, know the process to follow and the key skills to use at each point in the process, you have everything you need to leave a lasting legacy. Don't forget to put into action anything that has struck a chord in this episode. And until next time, be the best you can be.